0: You're your favorite NFL legend sharing your stories and insights every week right here on Thursday Night
1: Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazeri. Take it away, guys. When the door is locked, there's no way out.
0: All right, now back with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former Titans defensive back Blaine Bishop. Let me remind you about Blaine's background. He's from Indianapolis, Indiana. Played his college ball at Ball State, where he was a walk-on. He was named second-team All-MAC Conference in 1990 and 92, and he was the MAC Conference Defensive Player of the Week, November 9, 1991, for his performance against Toledo. He was a team captain in 92, and he played in the Senior Bowl and the Blue-Grey Game that year. He was inducted into the Ball State Athletics Hall of Fame in 2003. Blaine was an eighth-round draft pick in 1993 by the then-Houston Oilers, now the Tennessee Titans. Played in the league from 93 to 2002, all but one year, was with the Oilers slash Titans. He played his final season in Philadelphia with the Eagles. He was named to the Pro Bowl four times. Over the course of his NFL career, he had 738 tackles, 15 and a half sacks, five interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown. And folks, Blaine first joined us here on the show on episode number three, way back on October 6th of 2011. We are very excited. He is back with us again tonight here on Thursday night. Hey, Blaine, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming back on the
1: show. Hey, man, how you guys doing, man? I appreciate uh, the great introduction there. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Blaine, I want to
0: start by going back to your college days at Ball State. What or who got you to walk on
1: to play football there? (laughs) (laughs) That is, it's that's pretty remarkable. I would say you're talking to him. <laughs> I, I, I I have to give you the backdrop story of that. And that is, uh, you know, I went to a division two school my freshman year. I went to a private, uh, Catholic high school in Indianapolis called Cathedral High School. A lot of players, uh, played in the national football league, uh, actually still currently today. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was a running back slash uh cornerback and everybody kept telling me I was really small after I made, you know, all the honors in high school. And so uh went with a couple other guys uh that I went to high school with. We went to Saint Joseph's College in Rensselaer, Indiana. And wow. I wouldn't even have been able to tell you where Rensselaer, Indiana was, but it was a private Catholic uh, university and it is no it is closed now for I think uh four years. Uh it didn't exist. So I went there and uh did did fairly well, made division two All American, make the story short. And then I went back to my high school coaches, the president of the school, asked me whether I was a division one prospect now. And he said absolutely. I I wanted to really ask him what, what changed in six months but uh, I didn't. <laughs> so uh he said you go to Indiana State? Then have a really good program at the time. Uh, naturally, they say you go to Ball State, you can start right away. You can go to, uh, IU and you probably have to wait your turn. So I said, call Ball State right now. He picked up the phone, looked up, uh, the number on one of his, uh, cards, business cards there that he had in the uh, portfolio and boom, there you have it. That's how I walked on. And then, uh, then I started from the time I got there after the rules were different there. So I had to sit out of here, but I got to practice. So I, I knew I was going to be starting because Coach told me, and I said, "Well, who's getting benched?" And they was like, "You yeah, don't <laughs> worry about that; we'll take care of that." <laughs> I, I was, I, I was, and I and I know that kind of sounds like uh I don't know, maybe a little arrogant, but at the time, I was so driven and so determined to prove only that I could play Division One football. That was it. That was a dream. My dream was I wanted to go to Notre Dame. That's, that I was too small, was growing up in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and then uh, going to a private cathedral fighting Irish. Uh, I think that's where I wanted to go. and I probably would have never touched the field.
0: Well, and you get drafted by the Oilers, and when you get there, you have sort of a who's who on that coaching staff. I mean, the head coach was Jack Pardee. Kevin Gilbride's there as the offensive coordinator. Buddy Ryan was the defensive coordinator. Greg Williams is there as a special teams coach. What was it like for you going from Fall State to suddenly being coached by Buddy Ryan.
1: <laughs> oh boy, but <laughs> an eye opener, that is for sure. <laughs> uh I went in there naturally I played cornerback. I don't know if you guys knew that in high uh, college and uh at Ball State and I that's what I was playing there at uh, with the Oilers initially and uh, a couple of guys got injured and next uh, thing you know I'm at safety and then and then I'm man, I'm playing in the 46 defense, so I go from playing corner to, you know, half the time I'm a linebacker, half the time I'm a nickelback, and the other time I'm a third of a time I'm a safety. So it was uh, really interesting and kind of intriguing that my skill sets actually fit all of those things. I just had to learn how to play the kind of the linebacker 46 position in that scheme and how to read blocks and everything else. So that was a tough task for me being that you were a skilled guy on a perimeter and then doing that, but everything else fit really easy and his his defense was really complex, so I was a really quick thinker, processed information pretty fast and uh even as a young player at the time so uh those all those things been fitted me and then uh they you know the starter got injured uh bubble McDowell uh, just now is the name the head coach of Prairie view uh, and uh and then after that, it kind of got my first start uh, Christmas Day as a starter. I played special teams to that point in time. I was kind of uh, a, uh, what you call nickel-dime guy. You come in, you know, be the fourth, fifth guy. Uh, and take their, you know, fifth, sixth guy. And then uh got my shot in my first career start versus the 49ers uh, on Christmas Day. uh got a sack called fumble on Steve Young. So that was kind of the. The beginning of, of my ride there uh, with the organization.
0: And Blaine, coming in as a rookie. I mean, the Oilers offense. I mean, Warren Moon's the quarterback. Ernest Givens, Webster Slaughter, Haywood Jeffries, a, a wide receiver. What was it like for you as a rookie, trying to make a name for yourself, trying to cover those guys?
1: Yeah, that that was tough. There, especially Warren Moon. Uh, still today, through the you know best ball I've ever seen in my life. I think it would whistle uh, by my ear all the time. Uh, but it gave me gay, great practice. Uh, that's kind of how I looked at it. Uh, from the time I, we started mini campuses that called it then, not OTAs, uh, I learned that, uh, you know, I didn't need to be as much in a weight room. I need to be more, you know, limber and get into some, you know, deep yoga, stretching and all that. So after uh, my first, uh, mini camp and then coming back for training camp, my actual goal was, uh, at that time was just to, uh, make the practice squad uh, I thought I was doing fairly well but I need to get better at uh, just you know moving with receivers laterally not vertically but laterally. Uh so in that running shoot I was always in the slot going against given uh, and that year was the year uh, we had Webster Slaughter in the slot as well who both of those guys ran exceptional routes uh, and that really helped me out and I got better each and every day every day I got better and they just my confidence grew at the time. And then, uh, uh, and, you know, eventually I was an aggressive natured, uh, you know, instinctive player. Uh, I think I was out to prove something and at every level that's kind of what I've done. And I've excelled at it. And, uh, eventually I adapted to the game and then the game started slowing down for me. So it was really unique. Uh, a lot of great players around me helped me out, but, it was definitely uh, an eye-opener. You know, you, you have to get over the aha moment after the first practice, and then it's, it's time to move on, and now you have arrived. If you don't accept that part of it and, and move on, you'll, you'll be stuck there for a while, a lot longer than you think. Bob, questions for Blaine?
2: Yeah, Blaine, it's great to have you on the show. And more more about that defense, when you came in the league, You know, they they had guys like McDowell. We've talked to Dishman many times. Marcus Robertson. You walked in on those guys. Robertson was kind of a younger guy, but uh, those guys Mm -hmm. had 16 picks out of the 26 on that defense. Uh, These were studs you were playing with. Did any of those guys have a huge impact on you as far as your entrance to the NFL, or was it somebody else on
0: that defense?
1: (laughs) Actually, uh. I would say all those guys kind of contributed a a little bit. Uh, you know, I could name one other guy, uh, Steve Jackson. Uh, he was from, uh, Houston, uh, but he went to Purdue. Uh, he definitely helped me out along the way. And, and some of the things they taught me just on, uh, really live action. I mean, even if as a special teamer, they would be the double gunner and, you know, they would just bury me. And I'm trying to figure out like, how do I beat two people? And so, Dishman would be like, or uh, Steve Jackson would be like, hey, just attack one guy. Attack one guy. Just think you're going against one guy and then that will help you. And then, and then you just a foot race with the next guy. You know, so it was little bitty things like that. Uh, I would have them critique me when we were watching film. Uh, I remember Dish, my, uh, in the preseason, he was telling me, you know, to use my feet and not necessarily my physicality when I was covering. Because uh, I was getting a little too aggressive, so had all the you know aggressive things going on, and then I had a uh, you know buddy Ryan on my <laughs> my behind every day. Uh, he was relentless. I wasn't the only guy, but uh, initially, and then uh, I came in uh, two other and another defensive guy, Michael Barrow from the U. So we were the two defensive guys that were drafted, and he said he not only drafted for our talent and our toughness, but also for uh what's set on top of our necks and I was our head as football players so all those things kind of played a part in, in that success and, and with their help.
2: and Blaine every guy we talked to that played uh, you know in the 90s or whatever <clears throat> it's totally different now you guys actually had some very very physical practices back then Uh there was more of a, a, a an emphasis on fundamentals tackling wrapping up we don't see much of it anymore I'm sure with Buddy Ryan you, you know these guys were sticklers on a lot of that stuff. But it's such a physical game now, Blaine. They don't rap. It's kind of like they – contact is the way they tackle. Uh, when you're watching the game these days, does it drive you a little crazy?
1: <laughs> well, that's an understatement. I, I laugh all the time because I'm, I'm jumping up and down like, what are you – you can give him a great body blow, but Same he can here. spin around and not know where he's at. He's not going to go down. These guys are too big, too strong, too athletic. So that right. that's uh, – you know, I was – really big on just tackling guys, uh, you know, you're not going to get a big hit on everybody, especially in this day and age. But I was always big on tackling and wrapping up. So I, I just, it's just, uh, yeah, you're not going to get these guys down. I don't I don't know why guys keep doing that. I, even, I mean, even, you're not going to get fined for that. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, totally different. And a lot of it has to do with what you're kind of mentioning is the practices are a little different you know, which they can maintain their bodies a lot longer, but you know, you have to have coaching that is teaching fundamentals daily even once you're in the national football league. And I, I think really for me I had some great fundamental coaches uh along the way from had Rod Perry. I, I, I love that I caught the tell end of some really elite, you know, guys and then I caught, you know, in the third, fourth year Jerry Gray, who was an elite player, field coaching today in, the day, in the secondary with the Packers. Uh and the list kind of goes on, but they all helped bring different things to, to my game, Gary Brown. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was an instant time, but for me, it was perfect for what I needed in my development as a player. Uh, and no one was going to outwork me and no one was going to be more physical and, and no one's going to be more prepared than I was going to be. And, uh, even as I became a second, third year guy, I was I was putting in work and learning how to study opponents, study your matchup, make sure you understand your matchup and then how to defeat and have a counter move to your matchup. So all those veteran guys taught me that as a young player. I don't I don't think that happens today. At least I don't think it does anyway. I don't know that for sure, but yeah.
0: So in talking about all the, the film watching and the studying, you look back at your, yeah. your game log, your, your rookie season, you get your first pick in week 14 at home against the Falcons. Bobby Abear actually threw six interceptions in that game. Did you guys pick up on something that he was doing that allowed you guys for you to get your first pick, but five other guys to get one too?
1: Yeah. You know, it was kind of, you know, when, you know, there's a big added, you know, saying that, uh, you know, the picks come in bunches and I think that was it. I mean, they, they ran somewhat of the, uh, the running shoot, So I think, uh, I don't know who their office coordinator was at the time, but I think we understood what we had to do going into that game and to force them to run certain routes, uh, based off our coverages that we we're putting in, if I can recall correctly. But, uh, yeah, and that, you know, it kind of snowballed, but they, they had some, yeah, I forgot all about that. That was. They have some elite talent. Yeah, they, yeah Bobby threw around. I didn't know he threw six picks in that game. Sure, six wow. interceptions. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, he he does radio like I do, so I'm going to have to remind him of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 we have him when I have him, when we play the Falcons or New Orleans or one of the <laughs>
0: teams we play for. Well, in that first year, you guys got off to kind of a rough start. You start out the season one and four, but then you guys run off eleven straight wins to finish twelve and four and win the AFC Central as a rookie. You concerned about the the rough start being one and four, and then what was it like riding the wave of eleven straight wins?
1: Well, as a rookie, my head was spinning, so I I, I was more concerned with, "Dang man, how am I going to make it through this game and run down on special teams and uh, contribute as best I could?" So at that time, if Greg Williams. Was Special team coach. Uh, he developed a lot of trust in me that I was going to get it done. So I was always going against the best special teamer. Uh, you know, start off a one and four start. Got to remember going into that season, which was my first. Uh, the the Oilers at the time lost to Buffalo Bills after they gave up. I don't know twenty eight or thirty five point lead in the playoffs. Uh, so right. they just came in and kept everything the same on offense, and they just changed the defense with you know Buddy Ryan. So as I said earlier a little bit and hinted around that it was a very complex defense. They were used to playing like just a staple 4-3, you know, uh, cover three type scheme. And this was complex. Every time somebody moved, there was an adjustment. And I'm talking about more than just one or two players. The whole scheme would change. Uh, so, Uh And at that time, which is crazy, I got to play with Wilbur Marshall. He was on our team at that time. And so he was helping all the guys figure out what all the adjustments were at the time. And until you get in games, do you really know all the adjustments? You can go over practice, even in preseason at that time. And uh, it just wasn't happening. Me being a backup at that time, not being in games, uh, was a little bit different. But that time I was <laughs> really more worried about uh, if I get my opportunity to make sure I understand what I need to do. Uh, early in the season, and did a fairly good job of that in the preseason, but, you know, everything changes once it becomes regular season, kind of goes to a whole nother level. And he had what they call AFC sheets, and you had to memorize them every week. So every time he, he would just, he had four fingers that he would point, one, two, three, or four. And then with that, you had to know all the formations and adjustments to that call. And it was called AFC sheet, but it was and it was but it had AFC, BTF, forty six, forty six BTF. BTF was blitz the formation. So when he put the BTF behind it, you knew we were gonna be blitzing in some form or fashion. Uh AFC was just kind of a basic formation. Uh whenever they line up one of their pros said that we would run up, you know, nothing blitzing, it was just everybody had gap control. So that's what was confusing for a lot of guys and what their responsibilities were. And slowly but surely guys start getting it in the record season. And once we got it, because they had the talent. I mean, we, I mean, we had William Fuller, Sean Jones, Ray Childers, uh, Glenn Montgomery, the line We had Wilbur Marshall, Lamar Latham, uh, Al Smith, Michael Barrow, Eddie Robinson, Chris Dishman, Daryl Lewis, Bubba McDowell, Marcus Robinson, uh, even after uh, Marcus Torres ACL, we brought in Chuck Cecil. Uh, he got half of a season in. I mean, I, I played with some legendary guys, uh, that are really underrated, but really sub- they that we had a solid group of players that time. Uh, think we were deep everywhere.
0: Blaine, winning that division earned you guys an opportunity to go play Joe Montana and the Chiefs in the playoffs. What was it like as a rookie? Facing Montana in the postseason.
1: Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. You know, the team was built to win the AFC century and you had to take down at that time the Steelers who were the king of the king of the hill. And they finally got up that hurdle two two years in a row and then uh you know, I didn't get my first start as I said, uh till Christmas Day. So I got my first start late in the season as the starting safety. Uh so it was perfect for me in that I got, you know, two or three games under my belt and the game was starting to slow down for me so and I was starting to really start moving around a lot faster. I I tell you <laughs> my first game, well maybe my second game, you know, two guys were running by me, I couldn't even told you their their jersey numbers. <laughs> and then when I <laughs> Yeah, yeah seriously. And then as things started it took about three games where I really felt like, okay, this is back like at ball state. Really. And I think that's the difference within why you see some small school guys, if you want to give it that term, my football powers uh, to being at a football power powerhouse uh, is that the game, the speed of the game sometimes doesn't slow down for some other guys for whatever reason. Uh, and that really became, it, it stood out to me throughout the time. So then my confidence, just as I was saying earlier, just kept building and I said, Oh, now I'm about to dominate. And there was no question in my mind. And I'm talking about a guy from Ball State who got there saying, man, I want to make the practice squad. Now I'm going to dominate within one season. So going against uh, Joe Montana was pretty cool. Uh I thought it was awesome, but I wanted to take him down that time. And he was the best of the best. He was Tom Brady back then. And uh so, yeah, Joe Montana, man, he was a tough son of a gun. I thought we knocked him out of the game. I couldn't believe he came out of there at halftime. We we dominated and hit him so many times, I couldn't believe it. And he came out of there, and in the second half, he just started slinging, that, slinging it around like nothing. It was easy to him, and I, I couldn't believe it. And it was still a close game, and they won at the end, but that was probably a 2,000 team with the Titans, and that, that team right there were my probably two best teams i ever owned. Notice I didn't mention the team that went to the Super Bowl. It was a really good team. But we grew as the season went along. Those teams going into the season, we knew we were good and we knew we were going to the Super Bowl and didn't happen. Yeah. Run it. Yeah. Bob, more for Blaine?
2: Yeah, Blaine, I just wanted to ask you about your <clears throat> memories of the Astrodome. You know, I grew up in the 70s watching baseball and football on TV. <laughs> uh, you know, you saw Nolan Ryan, you saw Bum Phillips, Earl Campbell. The place always looked so dark on TV and <laughs> – you know uh but i love talking to people who played parts of their career there uh give me your memories of it and what was it like uh making the transition to tennessee in 97
1: yeah it was uh it was tough flooding there it was like playing on concrete just you know lay some turf down <laughs> like you're on the uh, on the putt putt field there but you know back then it was the love you Blue and the astrodome and, and everything else so you know i was just happy to be in the league uh very fortunate that I did not have to play on that the majority of my career. I was so thankful once I got to Tennessee and we played on grass. I really, you know, man, because I, I know some guys where their knees, you know, and I'm a young guy, so it didn't really make a difference at that time to me. But, man, I, I, I firmly believe I had a couple of scopes on my knee just because I played on that turf because it was a total different deal once we got here to Tennessee. So, yeah, it was a time, uh, you know, it was an interesting time in that, uh, you know, but Mr. Adams, the late Mr. Adams, wanted a a new stadium be built, and I just think they didn't want to build it for him. But <laughs> so mm-hmm. he he moved, and uh, that was unfortunate because you know Houston's a great city, and uh you know eventually they got them a new stadium, new owner, and and built a new sa you know, stadium and new team. So uh it was every, everything worked out, I guess, according to the, <laughs> their eyes. And, and oh, by the way, you you, you mentioned playing Joe Montana. That was the only time I got to play against him. At that season, I got to play against Elway, Montana, and Marino. And they all were so different. Elway had the big arm. He would make throws thrown across his body. Coach said, you're not going to do it. And he did it. Dan Marino's release was the quickest I'd ever seen. Uh And he was also as loud as a linebacker on offense. I felt like I could hear him make calls in the huddle. He was that loud. He was. He was just in control of the entire offense. Uh, and Joe Montana, he was just silky smooth. Nothing robbed him. The coolest customer you could ever see. I mean, he, he, I mean, the way he went about his business, you would have never known, uh, that he was just that good until you play him. Uh, he, he just carved you up, uh, uh, like he, he knew everything you're going to do. And I think that's what happened with him, you know, that first half were kind of dominating them. They had Marcus Allen too as well as the older players that been in the league a long time. And, uh, you know, we were like, uh, guys flying in the night. And then once they figured it out, uh, they start carving us up a little bit and it, it, it was, it was tough for us to kind of stop them from having big plays.
2: And finally, Blaine, any guy like yourself that played 10 years in the league, uh, you know, it's a lot of bumps and bruises. And, you know, without getting into your personal health situation, uh, there must be days when you wake up now and, and you say to yourself first right off the bat, yeah, I played 10 years in the NFL.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to not think about that when I wake up and I don't feel so good. <laughs> <Nah>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, well, for me, uh, I, I think I I was really blessed. I, I really took care of my body cause I knew I was really, uh, putting it through a, a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, rough lead there down the road. So I think that benefited me a lot. Some of his genes too, but, uh, for me right now, uh, at 51, I'm, I'm not doing, you know, so bad. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I can still get up, go jog, run, uh, go play basketball. um. Uh, do a radio show so and and i'm talking and and by the way that's 11 surgeries but but in football terms uh i know in the regular world it's a little different but i had all scopes and the only thing that was legit that was is i had a shoulder reconstruction twice and now everything is a surgery surgery but i had a you know two scopes on my knee for lateral meniscus uh uh two of them for bone spurs on my ankle or I I I guess a serious one I had a plate and six screws put in my forearm, I broke my forearm. Ooh. Uh yeah, so I did that in the game, didn't even know it uh in ninety seven uh until the, the guy was standing next to me in overtime said, Hey man, what's that not on your arm I'm a trainer? I said, Oh no, I just got bruised, so I don't even know how long I played with it. Uh dismissed the game, then came back now those guys missed about seven, eight games. I laughed at that. like, Wow, <laughs> man. <laughs> so and then I, I uh, yeah, I, I broke uh, uh, my finger, finger wrist. So yeah, I played with a cast on for three years in a row. So when I say that, I know that's not in the normal world, but in the football NFL world, that that's not really that. The only one that really is is my shoulder. It, it, I mean, I, I need a shoulder report from all that banging, I was doing it probably uh, playing linebacker half the time at 5'9", uh, <laughs> so in that 46 defense. But everything else is, is pretty good. I mean, yeah, there are days I feel stiff or things of that nature. Uh I can definitely tell you when it's going to rain outside, that's for sure. But, uh <laughs> yeah, considering, I mean, a lot of people still say, oh, mate, and I don't work out like hard or anything like that. I do enough to look like I could, you know, stay in shape but i man i'm i'm not uh you know i look like i can go play but i'm not i'm not able to do anything like that i'll fall apart there's no way <laughs> so, yeah so I'm, I'm i look the part like i'm in good shape but i'm really just doing a lot of stretching light lifting <laughs> you know <Hey>. uh <laughs> yoga classes and stuff like that and hot yoga let's say that and, you know just kind of just trying to um Hang on there and uh, stay in shape and eat right, eat right too, as well. So all those things, uh, which I did as a player too. So I think it's kind of benefited me in the long run. We'll see, you know, here over the next 10 years and see where I'm at. But right now, not too bad.
0: Playing just a couple more before we let you go. And, and one of the things that uh, we wanted to ask defensive backs is when, when the uh, call comes in to get into a prevent defense as a fan, it drives us crazy because you know the old saying, you know, prevent defense prevents you from winning. Do you guys get frustrated <laughs> like, like why are why are we playing? You know, this off defense, letting these guys run down the field, score a touchdown real quick, and get these momentum back in the game. Does does it make sense to you why you get why you're in a prevent defense or is it frustrating? Well, I think
1: it depends on the situation, and one is you're playing against the clock, so. I'm not a big fan of it. When I played, our court, Greg Williams was an attack out. So we still ran our defense or we ran some form of a prevent, but it wasn't prevent. We were still attacking. I would say it's more of a cover two scheme with a robber. So, you know, you had to really earn it. Now, you're going to be able to move the ball, but you're going to have to dink and dunk us all the way down. Uh You're not going to have big plays. You know, the game was different then, too, where uh, they didn't pass as much as they do what we did, you know, the Oilers did at the time. But the Titans weren't big passers. So, you know, they had 80 George when I was there. and uh, But it gets frustrating because if you're playing against the clock, then if you can afford, if you're up by, you know, more than, uh, you know, seven or eight, I mean, that they're trying to come back from. So I think it's okay. But if you're in a game and it, and it's a seven-point game, and they, if they score and drive up, they score it's a tie, I think you gotta continue to play your, your defense. Uh, so it's a cat and mouth game, uh, when you're in this level, but, uh, in the NFL, the best of the best, but because it makes players play hesitant and, and not to get beat. Meanwhile, you end up not playing as aggressive. Uh, so it, it, it's frustrating, but it's a catch 22. You gotta feel through it as a coordinator. Uh, but I would probably. Stick with my defense. Uh, now that they play all this passing game that they do now, you're, you're playing those style of defenses anyway. So why not just keep doing them? Right. That's what we say as fans. Yeah. yeah. Blaine, let our well, listeners well, you know, know, know how they the can listen are, to your show. Like, oh yeah, I'm on uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, on uh, 104.5 The Zone, Blaine and Mickey Show, from one to three. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, B Bishop 23, uh, Instagram. Uh, I guess uh, Blaine Bishop 23, Uh, and that's about it.
0: Well, Blaine, we can't thank you enough for being generous with your time tonight and coming back and being a part of the show. We hope you'll come back and do it again sometime.
1: A lot of fun. Oh, yeah. At that time, I'll be, what, uh, 258? (laughs) 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 Episode, (laughs) episode, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, much much exactly. we gotta get you back much sooner next time. Ten years was a long yeah. time.
1: <laughs> Always fun, guys, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thank, Thank you, Blaine. Blaine. All the best to you and your family. Catch up soon. All
1: right. Same to you guys. Thank you. No, you bye bye.
0: Ah, that's that's a great Blaine Bishop. What what a fun guest he was, Bob. I I love the stories And again, you know, one of the themes of the night is the, in enthusiasm, right? You get the the positivity, enthusiasm, the great stories. Loved it.
2: Yeah, in that era where so many great players he played with and against, as you mentioned, Chris, and, uh, all I kept thinking was, you know, his shoulder and the shoulder replacement need for and all that. It's because yeah. he tackled correctly, Chris. It's <laughs> like, right. you know, he, uh, he wrapped and he tacked he, his shoulder pads, right? I mean, but, uh, yeah, he was a great player. I mean, like I said, once he got established, man, you know, he didn't miss any games and, uh, like our buddy Chris Dishman, and he had a lot of great guys there as tutors, and uh, it's surely paid off. All
0: right, when Bob and I come back, we'll be turning on our spotlight on the positive here, which players are out there doing great things in their communities, and then we'll wrap up the show on the other side of this real quick station break.